he is uh, that bridegroom who tells us to arise. As he is resurrected, he wants this morning to speak and bring life, Lord, to each and every person here, to those who feel dead in their sins and in their transgressions, who feel dead in a meaningless, pointless life, who feel dead in a life separated from you, Lord. Thank you that you want to say, arise. Lord, please speak to us now. Please open up our eyes that we would fix them on the risen Jesus Christ. In his name, amen. Amen. Who remembers the utopian past that was 2019? Hey, do you remember it? Um, you'd, you'd look at your weekend, you'd look at your week ahead, you'd look at your calendar, and wouldn't you just think, the opportunities in front of me are so many. Let's, let's book a holiday. Let's, you know, book an Airbnb or something. Let's go abroad. Or just little things, you know, let's have so-and-so over. Let's have some drinks. Let's go to the pub. Let's go for a coffee. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's go to the cinema. You know, do you know what I mean? The freedom that we had in the utopian past that was 2019. But we didn't realize it, did we? This is the crazy thing now looking back. It's like we didn't realize that all that stuff was just an absolute privilege. It wasn't our rights as humans. We just had this incredible privilege of being able to have this freedom. And so we would talk to one another, me and Emma would, or, you know, I'd just think to myself, oh, you know, let's do this, let's do that. That sort of thing. Simple things. But from March 20... 2020, um, with, with a few exceptions, you know, because um, I've been so used to those conversations, I'd say, oh, let's go to, uh, let's go to the pub. Oh, no, you can't, can you? Let's meet up with, uh, so, uh, no, you can't, can you? We should have, um, we should have so-and-so around, no, you can't, can you? Uh, and, you know, you keep thinking, oh, my goodness, we can't do these things. And I wonder if you have looked back at certain situations where maybe, you know, there was an opportunity for you to do something adventurous and cool in 2019 or before, and you turned it down, you thought, no, I'll have a quiet one. I'll take it easy, I'll chill. And you say, oh, if I could have had that moment back, I would have taken it, what was I thinking? And we say, don't we, when the restrictions are lifted, I will make sure to make the most of the opportunities that I have. Now, brothers and sisters, right, have that in mind. Now I wanna take us back to the beginning of the Bible, right? We find ourselves all in Adam. We are all sons of Adam. Now, just from a genetic standpoint, right? You can just think of it there. In that one man was all of mankind, if you know how DNA works. We're all there. But in a spiritual sense, we are all in Adam. And once upon a time, oh, the privileges that mankind had. It would be like this. Let's go for a walk with God in the cool of the day. And you could. You could go for a walk with him. Let's uh, look in the mirror don't know if they had mirrors yet. don't know if they would have got to that point. But let's look in the mirror and we can see ourselves without any hint of sin or shame or guilt when we look at our reflection in the mirror. Let's do that. Let's work a nine to five shift with all of the joy and none of the sweat. Let's look at each other and understand each other for who we are. Not using one another, but serving one another and enjoying it and not thinking that that's hard and a pain the life and the privilege that we once had. Then a virus came along, didn't it? And this virus, I'll tell you what, I'll take COVID-19 any day over the virus that came in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve sinned. This virus of sin came, and it's hereditary, it's passed down, 
and it affects 100% of people. And the death toll is, guess what? 100%. Eventually, this disease of sin leads to death every single time. And you may experience symptoms of a meaningless life. You may experience symptoms of um, unbelief. You may experience symptoms of anger and murder. Cain did, Adam's son, anger and murder. Symptoms of a real problem that is the virus that is called sin. You may experience lust. You may experience covetousness. In fact, you experience all those things. It's all the symptoms of this horrible disease called sin. And we say, hey, let's go for a walk with God. I know you can't. Hey, let's go and have a meal with Jesus. I know you can't. Hey, I'll tell you what, let's get married, me and Emma, and we won't ever argue. No, you can't. Let's have a family and that will just be super easy. No, you can't. Let's try living life as one in church and it will just be lovely in heaven on earth without any feeling of the curse or any problem. Oh no, you can't. And what happened was, God had to put put a lockdown in place. There had to be restrictions. So that's why you can't do all these things anymore. And it was God who put these restrictions in place. Privileges were lost. And you know, right now, lockdown, coronavirus lockdown, it can feel so normal, can't it? We call it the new normal. This restriction we have from the living God can feel as if this is normal life. But you need to remember, this isn't normal. The fact we're separated from God. But in the very moment where these restrictions were put into place, God, who later Boris Johnson would take um, some inspiration from, laid out a roadmap for the way that this problem can be solved and the restrictions can be lifted. He said, let me tell you how this is going to be fixed. Not from you. You can't fix this. You can't sort this virus out. But from the woman will come a seed and he will crush the head of the serpent. And when he completes that task, then the restrictions will be lifted. Then the lockdown will be over, and all the privileges you once knew can be enjoyed again. How cool is that? Do you realize that's what's going on in Genesis chapter 3? And the Old Testament then, the rest of the Old Testament, is helping us understand, well, what is this seed going to be like when he comes? What is he going to look like? And you get to Exodus, and he's going to be like a redeemer. He's going to be like a high priest. And then Hebrews 1 to 9, basically all it's been is, this is who Jesus is. He is this seed. He is this redeemer. He is this answer. He is the one who has fixed the virus that is sin and sorted the problem out. And in him, the restrictions are lifted. He is the son of God, but he's also the high priest. But don't think of Aaron, think of Melchizedek. He's some sort of altogether different breed of high priest. But let's just go through Hebrews. It says, this one, Jesus, is the one that God the Father loves more than anyone else. And we're shown loads of verses in the Old Testament that tell us this. He is the son who is loved by his father. This son takes on flesh, we're told in chapter 2. He becomes a human being, this eternal son of God, this seed. And he lived a life where he was tempted in every way, just as you and I are, just as all mankind is, yet with one major difference, he was without sin. And he is a high priest who has come 
with the purpose of dealing with our sin as all high priests do. But it wasn't an animal that was given to him, but a body was prepared for him. His own body was going to be the body that was sacrificed. And he did it on the cross. And he died. And he rose again. And he is alive. And he ever lives to intercede for us. We have a great high priest over the house of God. And do you know, church family, what this means this morning? You who are here, but you don't know Jesus Christ, do you know what it means that Jesus has done this? It means the restrictions are lifted. The lockdown is over between you and God and between one another. He himself was the sacrifice. You and I are waiting, aren't we, for the COVID restrictions to lift. We're longing for it and we're pining for it. And in the same way, mankind, long in sin and error, was pining till he appeared. Jesus came and he dealt with sin. We have been waiting for him. You, if you're not a Christian, your soul is waiting for Jesus to come and do this. And guess what? The good news is he's already done it. It happened 2,000 years ago. The lockdown is over. Now, how crazy would it be when... I don't know when this will be exactly right, but when all the restrictions, the COVID restrictions are gone, you know, no more social distancing, nothing, and yet you continue to live as if it's tier four. You'd be insane. Now, church family, if you think you need to stay away from God because your sin is too much for him to handle, if you think non-Christian that you can never come to God because you don't know what I've been like, what I've done, my life, my past, my guilt, You're insane. The lockdown is over because of Jesus Christ. And now, once again, we can say, let's draw near to God. Let's encourage one another, and all the more as we see his return approaching. Let's, let's, let's. There are five in this passage. Let's. Did you notice it in these verses? Let's. Let's. I mean, it's more posh than that. It's let us, which is what they say on Pride and Prejudice prejudice, isn't it? Let us take a turn of the garden. It's a bit more posh sometimes the way it's translated, but the way we say it is let's. The phrase let's is when you're able to do something that is fun and awesome and you have the freedom to do it. You say let's. Let's go and do this. And in five times in these verses, as it is reflecting on everything that Jesus has done, what is the proper and right and sane response to what Jesus has done, there are five let's. Let's do these things, right? So I'm just going to run through them. I actually noticed the fifth one while I was reading it out. Um, But it's sort of paired with the last two, uh, so that's cool. But the first one is let's draw near to God. Just so you can see them, by the way, before we start, it's verse 22, first let. Verse 23, the second let's. Verse 24, let's. Verse 25, let's, let's. Okay? So it's like, there's so, you know, it's like someone who's just really excited now because the lockdown's over. Let's, 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 you know, it's like Christmas morning sort of thing. It's the children. Let's open up the presents. Let's get the stockings down. Let's have Christmas dinner now. Let's, let's, let's. It's that sort of vibe here is the result of everything Jesus has done. So the first one is, let's draw near to God. Because of what Jesus has done, because he's come, because he's died by his blood, because of this way that he's created, because he's the high priest, let's draw near to God. Now, a cheeky plug for something we did this week. We put a load of Gabalva past and present sermons on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and I was listening to Lee's Prayer 2 sermon, and he said this, 
What was the point of the Exodus, the second book of the Bible? What was the point of it? Was it, was the ultimate goal of God redeeming this people out of slavery so that he could forgive their sin? Was that the end goal? And it's like, well, yeah, that was one of the reasons he did it, but that wasn't the end goal. Was it so that they could have eternal life? Well, yeah, that is one of the things that he wanted them to know and have and enjoy, but that's not the end goal. Here's the end goal, that they would worship God on this mountain. Jesus wanted to bring sinners to God his Father. That is always Jesus' heart. All the other stuff is just the necessary things that must happen in order for them to be brought to God. To know God. And in the same way, what it was that drove Jesus in his years here on earth to live a life where he was tempted in every way, where he suffered at the hands of men, where he was mocked and where he was scorned, where ultimately he lay naked on a cross in a painful death, in a death where he was shamed and separated from God his Father. What was it that was driving Jesus? I'm bringing sinners to God my Father. That was what he wanted to achieve. What should be the first thing, the first sane response to everything that Jesus has done? Let's draw near to God. Let's come to God our Father. This is the ultimate goal of salvation. Here's a question. What is it God wants you to do? God wants you to draw near to him through his son, Jesus Christ. You might think, surely just God wants me to behave myself, to be a good boy, to be a good girl, to not lie, you know, to always tell the truth, do my homework, to be nice. Yeah, they're all good things. But they're not the primary thing God wants you to do this morning. You might think God surely wants to distance himself from me. He wants me to stay far away. The one thing God wants you to do more than anything else is to draw near to him through the blood of his son that was shed for you, no matter who you are. Jesus' blood covers it all. Draw near to God. That's the first thing. Second thing then. Next verse. Verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to our hope. I wonder if this morning you're thinking of letting go of Jesus. Because it's too hard, isn't it? Who here thinks this morning is too hard? This constant faith and repentance. This constant realizing more and more as I get closer to Jesus and I'm in the light and I'm living this life with one another, I'm realizing I'm a sinner and I have to face up to it and I have to own the fact that I'm wrong on the inside and it's constant faith and repentance every day, denying myself every day, not giving in to things that I know are wrong every day. It is too hard. I want to let go of Jesus Christ. I want to do what my friends are doing. I want to pursue my desires. I want to talk the way that they talk. I don't want to join in with these people here in church. It'd be easier if I let go. Why shouldn't you? Uh, why shouldn't you hold on to the hope that we profess as a church? Why should you hold on, sorry, to the hope that we profess here this morning as a church? Why should you hold on? Why shouldn't you let go this morning? And the answer is given to us in verse 23, because he who was promised is faithful. If you're, the, if you're the reason why you want to give up, he's the reason why you shouldn't. If you look at yourself and you're put off by this life with Jesus, with God, 
because of your sin, because of your failures, because of your weaknesses. He is more faithful than your faithlessness. He is more forgiving than your sin. He has more grace than your weakness. He is stronger than your weakness. He has more heaven than you have hell. He has more order than you have chaos. He has more light than you have darkness. If you're the reason why you're thinking of letting go, Jesus is faithful. And he is the reason why you should stick with him. He who was promised is faithful. That's why you should hold on to Jesus. And what hope he offers. Hope that you'll live even though you're going to die. There's no other hope like that. No one offers that hope because that's a crazy hope to offer. He offers it. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. It is hope of eternal life. Hope that you'll live. It's a hope that you'll live to see all your evil thrown into the eternal fire. All that stuff in you that makes you want to give up. He says, I promise you, you'll see it gone one day. You'll see it with your eyes. He promises you that you can overcome your sin and it can even start today if you look to him. All your evil thoughts that rattle around your head that drive you down a wrong path. He says, look to me and I promise even today we can begin changing that through my word. So that's why you should hold on to Jesus. What hope he offers you. So the next thing, uh, I'm going to pair these together. It's sort of three lettuces here. Verse 23, let us consider how we may build up the church family. Let's not give up gathering together. uh, And let's encourage one another all the more as we see the judgment day approaching. So, So remember that all of this is Christmas morning. Hey, let's, 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 let's. Uh, do this because the restrictions are lifted. Remember this with all of these verses here. Belonging to the bride of Jesus Christ, belonging to a church, being a part of a local church is one of the huge privileges that Jesus has won for you. I wonder if you know that. Or I wonder if you've forgotten that. That one of the huge privileges in God's eyes is once you were not a people, But now you're the people of God. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And the angels long to look into these things. The angels think this is the most incredible thing that is going on on planet Earth. Is that there's these group of sinners that gather around Jesus Christ and he cleanses them of their sin. What a privilege to belong to God's people. Do you see church as a privilege or a pain? That you get to be part of a church. That you get to gather together. That you get a bunch of brothers and sisters who actually care about whether you turn up to church or not. Now, it depends, doesn't it? Because you can think, that's really inconvenient that they care so much. It means that I'm pulled back out of my sin. (laughs) But do you see why that's obviously a good thing? I need you guys. That's what God thinks. That's why I'm here. And you need me. And we all need each other. This isn't a group of people you would have picked. But the Lord Jesus Christ picked his bride for you. You need the weakest member of this church. You need the gifts of other people in this church that you don't have. What a privilege it is. Do you see that? And as you plan and consider 
your holidays and the things you're going to do next week and the trips you might go on, the things that make you go, yay, plan and ponder and consider how you might bless your church family here, those who are in the members' directory. That's the first one, isn't it? Let's consider, um, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Do you ever sit and plan and ponder that? How can I this week use the time that I've got? You might not have money, but I remember Bruce sharing once and it really helped me. I do have time. That's a currency we all have. Okay, how am I going to use it this week to spur my church family on towards love and good deeds? You can like think about it. If you've got a spouse, family, chat to them. What should we do this week? What sort of things? There are some families in this church who are amazing at this, and you can ask them, how do you do it? Whatever, you know, you know who they are because you'll have been served and loved by them. But think this week, what am I going to do? Because it's such a privilege to be part of this. And if you're thinking, yeah, but how? Where do I begin? What? You know, I, just, I don't think I can help. What have I got to give? I'm not very good at anything. Well, step one, don't give up coming on a Sunday. That is the first step. That's such a simple thing. It almost shouldn't have to be in the Bible. But the Spirit knows what we're like. So he inspires it to be written. Seems so obvious, but don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. It's so obvious. The Spirit knows us. It's so easy to give up meeting together, especially when work is hard, especially when family life is hard, when the Father in heaven isn't giving you the very things you're asking for in prayer, it's hard when the children get tired. I don't know that personally, but um, I can tell that. <laughs> um, when they need to concentrate in school tomorrow, when there are people in church who frustrate you, when we can't sing together, and when there's a live stream that I could always pop on in the background as well, so I'm sort of doing it anyway, and it sort of feels the same because Gav Metheringham is a genius, it's very easy to give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And sometimes there are, of course, like legitimate reasons, health, work, make you unable to. But sometimes you're able to, and you give up. You say, it'll just be this one Sunday, I'll give up today. But the problem with that is, we human beings form habits, bad habits. I wonder if this year you formed bad habits. I think it's going to be something we have to think about a lot as we come out of lockdown. The habits with regards to one another, meeting together. Have you forgotten that we... What we have as a church, being part of God's people, part of his kingdom, it's just the best thing in the world. And maybe for you, it's, you know, we at Gabalva, what we do is we meet together in the morning at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on a Sunday, and then at prayer meeting, those are the times that we gather together. Physically, thank God, we're able to do it twice on a Sunday at the moment. Maybe you've gotten the habit of saying, I'll just do the one time. Because on the Lord's Day, you can get too much of Jesus and his people, and it could be overwhelming. But of course, that isn't the case. Maybe you need to get into the habit of coming both times, because it is different than watching at home. And also that, <clears throat> that is going soon, isn't it? We know that. Gather together, church family. You know Psalm 122? I rejoiced with those who said to me, here comes a let's, let's go to the house of the Lord. That's Psalm 122, verse 1. Do you feel that in your heart? Do you know that? It is a rejoicing thing to be able to come here this morning and gather together. All the more as you see the day approaching. Because the truth is, the harder life gets, and all those reasons that make you think I shouldn't come, those are all the feelings you get that judgment is coming. 
that Jesus is coming soon because the aches and the groans and the pains of everyday life, all the more as you feel them, you should gather together. All the more we should get together as we feel the aches and pains and the curse of this life. They shouldn't be reasons to stay away, but all the more we should come when we feel like that. When you feel most dark, when you feel most far away from Jesus, when you've had the worst week, you've sinned your face off, all the more get together on a Sunday. Don't let that keep you away. Okay, let's end then. Let's, let us, let's. Remember that phrase, okay? That's the vibe of this sermon today. Let's, it's the phrase we use when we're able to do something awesome now. And we are. God, through Jesus, and one another in church, we're able to know this life together. There's nothing more awesome. Once we weren't a people, now we are. Once we hadn't received mercy, now we have. That is the biggest thing in the cosmos. That is the best thing in the world. The restrictions are lifted. Lockdown is over. Let's draw near to God. Let's consider how we might spur one another on. Let's hold on to this hope because he who was promised is faithful. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. In fact, let's do it all the more as we feel the days are dark. But Jesus is coming and he who is coming will not delay. He'll be here soon. May we long for that day. Shall I pray? Father in heaven, thank you so much for Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Thank you that he has destroyed all of our enemies I praise you, Jesus, that I am part of your bride. Thank you that you look at me and you say that there's no flaw because you have dealt with my sin. Thank you that as you look at our church at Gabalva, and we know there can be real problems. We can feel it, Lord, in church life, but you say that we are your precious bride who you paid for on the cross with your blood. Thank you that lockdown is over. There's nothing that can stop us coming to God because of Jesus pray that we would draw close to you, Father. And I pray that we would draw close to one another. We wouldn't keep each other out of our lives. We'd let people in. Help us in this, in Jesus' name. Amen.